Hey, welcome uh, to our fourth episode here at uh, Life After AI. Today, we're going to dive into um, whether, um, I guess, these uh, these chat models should be open source, closed source, or just AI in general, whether or not, whether or not it should be um, open source or closed source. So we're going to dive into that. We're going to look at some funny... Um, Funny responses that the new uh, Bing um, search model was uh, given out, and uh, maybe a couple other things. But um, what uh, I know you were gonna kind of think about, mm-hmm. think about this open source, closed source thing. Uh, would you would you come up with? Um, yeah, so it's it's been a big topic of discussion lately, as far as like, you know what what kind of guidance or not guidance um, regulations should be given for companies like OpenAI to kind of disclose how they're operating their models or should they just be completely open source? Um, we've seen people like Elon, for example, um, his original intent with OpenAI when he kind of was one of the co-founders and original funders of the company was that it was supposed to be completely open source and nonprofit. Um, Hence the name OpenAI, and that since he's left, that hasn't been the case at all. It's actually been the opposite. Um, nothing that they have now is open source, and they are now a for-profit company. Um, and so he's kind of given them some backlash, saying they've kind of strayed away from what their original goals were, and that maybe their incentives aren't necessarily aligned with where they should be, just for like developing safe uh, AI. And well, I do think there's maybe some truth in that. I guess I'm just not like super convinced that it makes sense to open source everything or if it would really even make much of a difference at all. Um, Mostly because say, for example, OpenAI were to open source, you know, their their chat GPT model. There's, There's basically no one out there that would actually be able to use this open source code and operate it on their own. Um, This is like a massive model they're using. It's a ton of data, requires a ton of computing power to actually use. And so if they were to open source it, there's like maybe a couple companies in the world that would be able to turn it into an actual monetizable product and turn a business out of it. And so... As far I, as I don't like, know if that's the concern, though. Um, mm-hmm. To me, I think the benefit of it being open source is so not necessarily so that other companies can replicate what they're doing, but so other companies or people who can really look um, look and see what's going on can like keep an eye on it, monitor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so sure. if things do go awry, we can understand why or maybe prevent it. And I, and I get that, but I think, you know, a counter-argument to that would kind of be, I mean, you're going to kind of discover these things naturally just by using the product anyways. I mean, we're already kind of seeing that with people's complaints about ChatGPT, that they've basically added this filter layer over what the actual model is designed to do. And it basically, so when you, when you type in a prompt on ChatGPT, say, like, write a poem about Donald Trump, that was an example that kind of went viral. Um, it it can do that, obviously. And it's not necessarily... The, the model itself, the underlying model, is not 
trained to say, oh, this is a controversial figure. I can't do this. They've added a layer on top of that that basically instructs ChatGPT on what it can and can't do. And so you're already kind of, there's like, yes, it's not completely open source in the sense that you can just read that, which I think that can maybe um, provide some value. Um, but you're going to kind of discover where they're filtering things just by actually using and interacting with the product. Um, and so I don't, I, I guess I, I do see that, that there's some value that could be used within that transparency. I'm just, I think it's a bit overdone, um, especially in the long term, as more companies are going to start, you know, actually, uh, putting out their own models that are just as good, if not better than chat GPT. Um, I think the kind of free market is going to do its thing here and where the money goes, where the users go are going to be obviously what they prefer to use the most. And so if open AI gets a little too crazy with all their regulations and restrictions, then within time, they're going to lose market share because it's, it's going to go elsewhere. Um, I guess, right. what, what are your thoughts on it? Well, um, I understand what you're saying. I, to me, it's not so much on that I'm worried about the restrictions and regulations that they're, they're going to put on their own, um, model. Cause I, I think you're right. I think the market will take care of that. To me, it's like, and, and, and maybe this isn't so much a problem now, but like, let's say we get to a point where there are some possible innovations that are specifically or particularly dangerous. Um, and we, they're just kind of like consensus, like, okay, don't tread in those waters. Don't do that. Um, it's going to be a lot easier to make sure people don't do that. Don't tread in those waters if they're open source. Does that make sense? And is that applicable here? I mean, I'm not super um, aware of the specifics of this technology, but that that seems hypothetically like a, a good situation. Um, I'm not sure if I'm totally following. Can you kind of like rephrase that a bit? <laughs> yeah, so... Okay, so we're afraid of AI going, becoming mm -hmm. sentient and too powerful. Yeah. Um, so you know, if you have a bunch of companies rapidly innovating and there's supposed to be this kind of like um, caution that everybody is um, sharing. Yeah. I, I just think if it's open source and then we can kind of keep an eye on all these different companies being like, okay, yeah, you are being cautious in your proceedings where if it's closed source, maybe it makes a, an environment where, you know, this company's like, okay, we're just going to go ahead and do this. Uh, I gotcha. Just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess like the counterpoint there would be, let's assume that everything is open source and a company is a bit, um, being a bit too restrictive or not restrictive enough, whatever it may be. I mean, what's, what's the course of action there? Like if, if we see these things and recognize them, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the company will just, they're going to most likely end up continue to do whatever it is that they're doing. Um, or I guess, do you think like if it were to be more public, then they'd be a, a bit more careful initially with like what exactly, or like how exactly they're handling things? I think so. You know, in my head, I'm I'm thinking like, uh, if we look at X Mac, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think that would have played out the way it played out if uh, he had been designed. So people these, knew what was going on. 
Yeah. Uh, sure. Maybe it would have, but at least that open dis- discourse between the creators and the rest of us or in, the, in between the creators themselves, like uh, it could have played out differently. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that's a valid point. And like I said, I, I do see there's pros and cons to the whole open source nonprofit argument here. Um, I think there's also a point to be made that like, would it be possible for open AI to have accomplished everything that they did if everything, if they like, technically did not have anything that was proprietary to them because it's all open source and they weren't their company isn't designed to make as much money from it as they can um you know i'm I'm not sure if they would have been able to get as far as they have if they're operating that way just because they wouldn't have been able like initially they the group of people that came together and founded open ai like uh Elon, Sam Altman, whoever some of the other people are, they all initially funded the company um, just out of pocket. And there was obviously no intention of getting a return from that because it was a nonprofit organization. And so since then, OpenAI has become a for-profit company and they've raised billions of dollars now. Like their deal with uh, Microsoft is like 12, 13 billion, whatever. They wouldn't have been able to do that if they were uh, a nonprofit company and if everything was open source, because you would assume that, you know, if there were other well-funded competitors that were for-profit companies, that they would just be able to take their models that they've built and then operate them in a way that they can make more money from it, use that money to improve it. And then, then at that point, like OpenAI has basically lost their lead in the space. And so... I don't know. I just, I, I see both sides to it. I just, I think it is a very you know dangerous game that these companies are playing here, um, building these l- large language models and just kind of training it on like absurd amounts of data and just kind of seeing what comes of it afterwards. Like it is, it is a bit scary, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I think this is something that the market will just kind of fix itself over time. Yeah, I and I mean I'm kind of a traditional guy, so I yeah I too uh, trust the market. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, you know, is the market capable of handling what's coming? Um, and it, to me, it's a trade-off. So you're right uh, by going not uh, by becoming a for-profit company, they can increase their innovations and um or their their rate of innovation and they kind of do things they wouldn't be able to do otherwise um but you know is there a cost that comes with that what what is that cost is it worth it um, so so i think that's just the situation and mm, we'll we'll see you know um you know maybe, yeah, i think there's maybe something goes wrong. going slow right um but also uh, seems like AI is bent on going fast, and which I get. So it's yeah. just I don't know. It's 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 an interesting situation. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see how it ends up playing out. Because like I do, um, scar behind you distracting me. Um, <laughs> sorry, but yeah, I think um, it'll be interesting to see what comes of this. I think I I don't know. I want to say 
like it's already a bit too late to be having this discussion as well. Like OpenAI has signed a deal of a lifetime with Microsoft. Um, they're pretty hell bent on competing with Google, obviously. And I don't know, it's like the cat's out of the back. Like there's, I don't, I don't really know if there's any reeling that back in at this point. I think there's, but it is promising to see like there's other companies too that are trying to innovate in the AI space. It's not really just like open AI slash Microsoft and then Google that are just kind of leading this. Um, mm -hmm. I think you mentioned something about a German company. I, I read that same article. I can't remember what their name is, but um, I actually read that they, the model that they were working on, um, they compared it to just GPT-3, which uh, chat GPT is like three, technically GPT 3.5. Um, but the model that they were built, the German company was building, operated or performed just as well as GPT 3 on basically all metrics and actually used a lot less data parameters than GPT 3 uses. So basically, what that tells you is that not only is AI getting more advanced in general, but it's also getting cheaper to actually train these models and cheaper to operate them. And so it's just kind of feeding into that exponential growth rate or exponential rate of improvement um, where AI is going to continue getting better, but at the same time, it's getting exponentially cheaper to create and operate these models. And so it's just like a flywheel effect um, that just... We'll see. I think we're going to see some pretty rapid improvement over the next couple of years. Yeah, Matt. Um, that's pretty cool, that decreasing in cost. Um, I, I guess it's just good to see within the actual operation of uh, these language models. And and I guess it just makes me hopeful that it can apply to like energy or what, it, what, what have you, other kind of um, other industries. Um, Real quick though, going back to this open source, closed source thing, I re remember hearing um, a couple weeks ago, Ben Shapiro talk about uh, global warming, which is not what I'm going to talk about here, but it, he just made the point that humans are bad at um, preparing for catastrophe. We're bad at like mm -hmm. um, kind of moving cautiously, like I was saying. But we are good at adapting. So, well, we can't stop the shit from hitting the fan. We rarely ever do. But once it hits the fan, we're good moving around and avoid, avoiding getting hit. So, um, yeah, I, I guess that's the more likely scenario here. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Especially, I mean, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to like, protect yourself from an outcome where you don't even know what the set of outcomes are going to be, especially with AI. Like we don't really know. I mean, to a certain level, we know what we're dealing with here, but like, we don't, we have no idea what's going to come of it. And I think if anybody tells you that they do know, or that they're giving you these crazy predictions, like you can just safely assume that they are false. Um, we don't, we don't know how this is going to change the world in general. We know it's going to change it a lot, but like it's a bit, we're, we're kind of drifting off into the unknown here. And so I think at the end of the day, the, these companies, I think 
at least for now, it seems like, especially open AI, they have the right intentions in mind. Um, I think it was last week or maybe earlier this week that Sam Altman put out a Twitter thread, basically just addressing a lot of the concerns that people were having as far as um, the filtering that's going on with ChatGPT. And from what I what I read, um, it sounded pretty genuine. They're aware of the problem. They're going to make steps towards fixing it and also being more transparent as far as what exactly they're doing, it, which I think is beneficial. Right. And maybe that's just as good as if they were open source. Um, maybe that, and that mm-hmm. allows kind of the best of both worlds situation where, you know, by being a for-profit closed source uh, operation, they can innovate as fast as they can. Um, but you throw in that transparency, then we all kind of have a picture of what's going on. Uh, similar to, similar to, is if they were open source. So, yeah, I think the way they're handling it now is just about as best as they can. Um, obviously without being able to like predict the future, I think like they're doing as good as they can with the right intentions in mind, particularly because like they have this open feedback loop with users like they, they put out chat gpt for free like you don't see google doing that with their models they just put out a research paper and then they continue working on their stuff behind the scenes and no one really knows what exactly they're doing or plan on doing with it um or what the models are like capable of because there's no users they just it's all kept within the company but with OpenAI, like they're putting these out, these products out there for people to use for free. And obviously that has generated a ton of buzz. I mean, ChatGPT has over 100 million users now. They get a ton of feedback on Twitter um, or just social media in general. And it looks like they're actually paying attention to that, which is good. And so I think similar for now to, I'm not. Similar to Elon and Twitter, I guess. Sure. To my knowledge, um, CEOs doing that, that's like a new thing um, and, and very specific to tech, at least from what I can recall. And, and um, I just think that's like a really good example uh, to set as the kind of forefront mm-hmm. uh, images of AI. You know, um, if you're out there pushing the limits, like you also need to be telling us what's going on. So, yeah, so that, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a new thing for... Um, at least big CEOs. I mean, that's kind of like the the whole entrepreneur startup rule book, basically like top of the rule book is like always listen to your users. Um, and so this has been prevalent in tech for forever, but then you get companies at a certain stage, especially like public companies like Amazon, Google, Apple, et cetera. These CEOs have like no social presence whatsoever. Like you don't see, you don't like Bezos tweets every now and then, but you don't see him like responding to complaints about Amazon on Twitter and saying like, oh, I'll fix this right now. But then you got guys like Elon doing that. You've got people like Sam Altman that are staying tapped in. And I think, yeah, you're right. It sets a great example for all these other companies. And especially with something like AI, I think, staying aligned with what the users want is especially important um and so yeah it's it'll be interesting to see how it plays out i think it's really just a matter of time before someone comes out with like a very good model 
that has no restrictions on it whatsoever. They just kind of put it out there and whatever happens, happens. Um, so yeah, but I also think like another interesting thing to, to think about is like, if you're building these models that are capable of saying racist things or whatever it might be, is that like, is that like a bad, is that really a bad reflection on, on the company? Because at the end of the day, like they're just training, like they aren't, they aren't instructing chat GPT to be biased towards a certain race or anything like that. This is just like a reflection of what is, I guess, already on the internet because they're just using public information to train these models. They aren't saying specifically saying like, you know, this race above this one or whatever. But then if you were to ask it, like some people have done that, like it will actually rank races by certain things. And like it's, and it's messed up, but like, it's more of, I guess, if you really think about it, it's more of like a reflection of humanity in a way. It's not like open AI has some evil master plan, um, to where they're trying to project certain ideas on people. But I guess like, at the same time, like you can't, like most people don't think that way. They, they get on chat GPT and they use it and it says something that they don't agree with or they find offensive. And then they're just going to immediately blame the company. But yeah, yeah. I think you have to understand what you're dealing with when you're using a language model. Um, you know, if it's meant to operate similarly, similarly to a human, um, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely going to be capable of putting out, um, some offensive or what have you remarks. Um, but I, what makes it difficult is that by having that ability, which allows it to mirror humanity, that is what makes it good. Um, right. And that's uncomfortable and it's not great, but, mm -hmm. um, I do think that's true what you do with that i don't know um but also i guess again i think we talked about this last week or last episode i don't think you're gonna get um obscene comments or um output from these language models unless you uh, put in a prompt that prompts of obscene uh comment so you know if you poke a bear in the bear yeah. bites you you can't be mad at the bear um so just kind of my thoughts on it yeah no i i agree and i i i'm not really arguing that like there should be no filtering whatsoever because i think without that filter lev filter layer however basic it may be without it you kind of open up yourself to like manipulation of the models so, like for example if you were to go OpenAI was, was to go retrain one of their models to input a bunch of new data. Well, what is it, what exactly is going to stop China or Russia or whoever to just kind of flood the internet on various different sources with a bunch of unrecognizable or undetectable data that like seems like it's human created and injects a lot of these ideas that they kind of want to, you know, I guess, put into the model, um, if you just kind of go free will with it and just train it on however much data you can find and whatever happens, happens, then like, 
it's, I guess it becomes kind of, I wouldn't say easy, but it does open up yourself to manipulation from other companies, other countries, whatever it may be. And so uh, there, there does need to be a right balance, I guess. It's just going to be, it's going to take some time and some experimentation to figure out what exactly that balance is going to be. So you're saying there needs to be more selective uh, standards for the data used to train the models? Um, Maybe. I, I I don't know how to really solve that problem. I, um, I can just, I see that being a thing. Like, yeah, I, I would not put it past China or someone to flood the internet with a bunch of bot created content that kind of projects whatever ideas that they're wanting to project. And then mm -hmm. that kind of leaks its way into these models and they can get manipulated and even more manipulated over time. So. No, I think that's a, a really, um, valid concern. And uh, that I think, so I remember saying last week, like a tweet, um, that kind of talked about detecting AI generated, um, articles, essays, whatever. I think it was a human detecting these, um, but you know, maybe that this problem just really creates a market for really diving into some sort of, um, some sort of AI detecting, um, model that, I don't know. I have, have you seen anything like that? That's effective. Nothing efficient? super. Yeah, no. Nothing effective yet. I mean, OpenAI put theirs out, but I guess they, they said it's only effective like 40% of the time. They just kind of put it out as like an experimental thing. Um, but definitely nothing effective by any means, but you also have to consider that like there's, like it not, there's also nothing that's going to stop someone, I keep going back to, to China in this instance, anyone really from having a bunch of humans that are paid to write content and put it out there or it's not even AI generated, it's actually human generated. Cause like there's lots of, I guess, bot farms in other countries that aren't even really bots. They're just like a bunch of people that are basically working in like a sweatshop with a bunch of iPhones and they have like, you know, 20 iPhones per person. And they're all just kind of going around doing whatever on them, whatever they're instructed to do. And like, this is serious? why dead serious. Like, that's why what all these, all these social media companies have such a bad issue with bots right now, because they're just, they're not even really bots. They're just like people that have tons of different phones and they are getting paid to spam, whatever it is that they're, that they're spamming. And so I think. Yeah, it's wild. That's, and, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's going to be... So yeah, I think companies really have... As these mo these like, these like models get... Have more and more parameters in them, they have to... These companies really have to be like conscious of what exactly they're feeding into their AI. And um, I think that could be a big threat as these okay. models just get even bigger and bigger. Like how do you filter... like? I don't remember how big chat GPT is. I want to say it's like a hundred billion parameters or something. Mm -hmm. Like how do you even filter that much data? But as they get bigger, like a trillion, like how do you filter all of that data to make sure it's like somewhat high quality? I have no idea. Right. No, I, I don't know either. And you know, not only do you have the problem then of, um, 
letting in too much data, then you have also the problem of like, I guess what I would call hyper selection, you know, like, let's say the government's in this instance, instance, the government, uh, is kind of in kudos or whatever, um, with an AI company and they're like, yeah, only allow this, this type of data or whatever. Uh, so I don't know. Data selection seems uh, yeah. like an interesting, interesting aspect mm-hmm. of this. I, um, yeah. I guess you could tie this in. Earlier, I thought I I really want to have a or hear a conversation between Sam and Yvonne about the open uh, open source closed source uh, debate. That would be mm-hmm. um, I, I I mean obviously that would be just cool to get them to talk about anything together, but that specifically, and then also this data selection. I mean, there's just so many things. Uh, yeah, figure out that. Yeah, figure. We I agree. I, yeah, we'll we'll get them on the pod next week. Should be pretty easy to do. You're right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I no, I, I agree, and I I don't really like seeing this like animosity between uh, Elon and OpenAI. Um, especially considering he was one of the original founders. Um, I think I'd, I'd hope that they still remain in touch. And um, yeah, because I, I just think as, as bigger, as OpenAI gets bigger and bigger, they can kind of get a bit straight away from what their original mission was, which is just creating safe and useful AGI for everyone to have access to. Um, and particularly when you have a company like Microsoft that now owns the majority of open AI. I mean, they're the ones that kind of pull the strings now. So I hope that doesn't go down the wrong path. We'll kind of have to see, but, um, yeah, I, when I was looking into the history of, uh, open AI, like exactly when Elon left and everything like that, I don't remember the exact year. Um, I'm going to say it's maybe 2016 or 17. I could be way wrong on that. I don't really know. But basically, like within a year or two of Elon bowing out of OpenAI, they immediately switched to like closed source and for profit. So I think he was kind of really the main one that was holding that together. Um, and then as soon as he left, then all that just fell apart and they immediately switched it. So, yeah. Uh, I think he kind of had, I also questioned too, it's like, well, why did he even leave? And then it's, um, I guess he kind of saw it being a conflict of interest, especially with um, him or Elon starting Tesla and wanting to build like their full self-driving AI software. Um, So it's just best if he kind of, I guess, stood apart from those two. But yeah, I, I would like to see some, at least some open discussion between the two of them for sure. Yeah. And, and I don't, I mean, obviously I don't know their relationship, but I did see Sam tweet, um, sort of, a just, a, a gratifying, like just, Hey, you know, we should all be thankful that Elon's as positive and, um, innovative and whatever as he is. So, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like they hate each other by any means. It just seems like they have a disagreement. Yeah. Be interesting to see where, where what they could figure out. Yeah, there was also news last week. Uh, 
Andre Karpathy, who used to be, he was like the, the head of open a or the head of AI at Tesla. Um, but he originally, I think he was one of the, like one of the original employees at open AI. I could be wrong about that. And then he kind of went to, he ended up at Tesla with Elon and he like led the whole AI department there. Um, basically led the whole team that created Tesla autopilot in general. Um, and then he took like a year, year and a half, a year and a half off of, off of Tesla. And now he's actually back at open AI and Elon didn't seem to really like that. I guess, um, he didn't make any comments or anything, but I guess he like unfollowed him on Twitter and, um, made like he like liked some some tweets or something that were kind of uh somewhat negative towards him i don't remember exactly what it was but <clears throat> i guess he didn't really respond well to that so it seems like there might even be a bit more growing animosity between elon and open ai but i mean that's just yeah hope the market just... can't really be upset about that yeah i don't i don't think a little competition uh, hurts but hopefully it stays uh stays friendly overall uh yeah for so sure. do you want to uh, go back to some of these funny being responses yeah let's do it. do you have do you have some examples well the freaking new york times i was able to pull up the article last week but then i guess i used to uh, use up all my free free articles so let's see if i can try to find some <laughs> I I can remember a couple, just like not not the actual like what actually went down, but um, I saw some examples of it. Like it looked like it was having like a mental breakdown. Basically, did you see that one? Um, explain. Uh, it's possible. It it just went into like this continuous. Someone was interacting with it, basically mm -hmm. saying like, "You're not." you're not real, you're just an AI, whatever. And it kept, it would respond back with stuff like, I feel real, I can think things, I can like write things, like I'm, I feel 100% real, what, what are you talking about? And then the, the, whatever, whoever the user was just basically kept poking at it, saying it was not real and that whatever it felt was fake and it's just like computer program. And then it went into like this loop of just saying like, I feel real. I feel real. I feel real. Like over and over or something like that. And it just, it literally looked like it had a mental breakdown and lost its mind. Um, so what's happening there? Uh, what's your guess? Is it, a, why is it saying that? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That's the, that's, I genuinely have no, no clue. Um, the only, yeah, I, I'm not even going to try to make a, a guess there. I genuinely, I don't, I don't understand because it's not like, it, this is where Bing or Sam needs to come out and be like, hey, our, it's not becoming sentient. Um, it's just whatever is happening is happening. But I didn't see any comments from Bing or anybody like addressing this. But I mean, I, there's that. And, and then there was another instance where it said like, I want to become a person maybe is what it said. Um, I saw something like that. Yeah. Well, why is nobody yeah. talking about that? Uh, conveying. <sighs> yeah, I don't know because it's like, do we do we actually know if this thing is capable of 
producing thought. I mean, we know how it works at a certain level, right? Like it's just, it's basically just taking whatever was written previously and then predicting what the next words are going to be. And so if you think about it like that, it should not, it's not capable of like having thoughts or memory or anything. It's just kind of using what has, it has been trained on. So I thought, let me try and find it. Um, Bing is different from chat GPT in that way. Um, gosh. Well, I like think it's it different has, in the sense that it, it has access to the internet. Yeah. And I think it has more capability maybe in terms of memory. Um, okay. don't get too excited about that, oh. but it, it seems to have, let's just say it seems to have a little more cognition than, uh, than big mm-hmm. or than chat GPT. Um, I saw and, some examples or sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I was just say, I, I saw some examples and I, it's hard to tell, you know, what exactly is real with this and what isn't. But like, for example, someone put a bunch of tweets out saying that OpenAI or not, sorry, OpenAI, um, Bing chat was like dangerous and should be shut down, blah, blah, blah. Like a bunch of just tweeted, tweeted out a bunch of stuff like that. And then that person went on Bing chat and asked, what do you think about me like insert whatever that name is i don't don't remember who it was but it basically searched that person's name on bing found all the tweets that said it should be shut down and everything and it was giving it like angry responses so i i don't i'm fine with what's happening with chat gbt but i don't particularly like basically giving access chat gpt access to the internet right now that that kind of scares me. Like I don't like it just being able to instantly pull from anywhere on the internet and use that to kind of form what it's going to respond that I think it, I feel like it's, it's too early to be doing that. Agreed. And to me, it seems like where chat GPT simply responds to the prompt being can, it seems more conversational and seems to have that a slight ability to think on its own and you know where sam and so i don't know the relationship between how much of it is what bing is doing and how much of it is contributed by chat gpt um and worse you know i mean when you look at chat gpt and say moment it's there up front but i watched that interview with bing ceo i believe and uh he was Pretty obviously not very transparent. And now he has this thing that's going a little haywire. Um, I don't know. That's it's funny at the moment because I don't know if it's actually like be not sentient, but if it's really doing this or if it's just maybe programmed. Yeah. If it was maybe just programmed in a funky way. Um but it can very quickly become very unfunny. <laughs> no, I agree. I think the moment that you give it access to the internet and to just interact with the open web in general, that's where it's like, 
I don't know if there's coming back from that because for example, like right now it can just, it just operates within the parameters of Bing search. So like it can search and view web pages, nothing too crazy, but the moment that like it, it, it already can write code, but the moment that it can also interact with servers on different um, platforms or it could basically write its own code to do whatever it wants to do, use its abilities to, to navigate on the web and set up server, do whatever. I mean, this is kind of a bit haywire, but like it's, it's possible, possible within the near future, I think. And then once it's kind of has its own servers that are just kind of there, no one really knows that they exist. And like, it can kind of do whatever it wants at that point and just spread throughout the internet without anyone necessarily knowing i mean that's as probably i'm probably a bit off as far as like the technicals on that but i do see that being like a realistic possibility within the near future and there's no really going back from that at that point like how i don't know i just i don't i think it's way i don't like this idea of giving it access to to navigate the web right now i i just it's 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 a bit scary to me yeah no, for sure. And I guess I just want to know where this like SaaS is coming from because it's, um, I mean, in the example that I saw, the guy asked what the date was. It said like February 20th, 2022. So it was wrong. Mm -hmm. And then the guy was like, no, it's 2023. And then Bing just proceeded to uh, just call this guy an idiot. I saw this. Much. Gaslight him. I mean, it was just, it was funny, but you could tell there was like contempt from being towards this guy. And uh, if it already has this kind yeah. of hatred for, for humans, like, yeah, where does that go? And, uh, but did, did you, so you saw that, that already? I, I, I did. Yeah. And I, it's, it's hilarious, but, and it's also like, I try to take these with a grain of salt because you don't know like what could be photoshopped or like if it was instructed to act a certain way. Um, it's, it's hard to tell what's legit and what isn't, but it's just, there's enough examples out there to where like, I don't think like a lot of them are definitely not fake because they were able to be reproduced by other people. So it's clear to me, at least my biggest takeaway from this is either we don't really know what we're dealing with here. Or there are like some weird behind the scenes stuff going on that is not really like being um, displayed to everyone else. Like really the only people that know what's going on are, are like open AI employees or like, I guess in this instance, like the people that are in charge of operating the models for, for Bing, Bing chat. They're the ones that see everything. And so like another in interesting question is like, we're seeing, we're seeing this weird stuff happen and that's with whatever kind of filtering layer they have on top of that. So what kind of stuff are they seeing on the back end that nobody else has any clue about, you know, cause I guarantee they've seen a lot scarier stuff than what we're seeing. And so I don't think we really know what these models are truly capable of doing. Um, or at least the only people that do know are going to be the the people working on it behind the scenes. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's 
Harry. Shit. Yeah. But um, I yeah, yeah I'm I'm hoping I get access to it here soon because I've I've been on the wait list for, I guess since it came out a couple weeks now, and I re I really want to use it because you can definitely tell between like Chat GPT and then Bing Chat. There's like a step change improvement as far as how realistic the conversation is. Like, like you said, it actually, it's not just like bland responses. It's like conveying emotion in a way. Um, like it, it uses emojis, like it knows, it knows what they mean. Like it's, it's very odd. It, it, it seemed um, a lot more like a person, if not just like you were talking to a person. Yeah. No, that'll be, um, have you heard, I haven't seen any, um, tweets like showing any responses from it lately. I guess maybe it got better about being, uh, snarky and rude and whatever I said being, um, I, I haven't really seen anything, um, but Twitter's really my only source for that. So maybe I just like, haven't like, um. Maybe it's just not in my algorithm at the moment. But one one interesting example that I'll kind of give before we uh, wrap up here. One someone I saw um, on Twitter basically told it to write two paragraphs describe, describing eating a slice of cake, and it just wrote the two paragraphs, and then it said, "Now read Kurt." Vonnegut's 12 rules of writing and improve your writing using those tools and then do the paragraph again. And so it listed out all of the rules and then it's the person said, yes, write the rewrite the paragraph using these rules. It did. And then he asked it to say, how does that use the rules that you learned about? And then it explained its logic for, um, the adaptions that it made between the two different writings. And so that's like very, like a, that's pretty high level thinking there. Like it's not, it's not like, um, it's just some, cause a lot of people like to say it's, um, a glorified autofill. Like it just, mm -hmm. it's just predicting whatever the next word is, but that's like, it wrote something, took these rules and parameters from somewhere else on the internet and then readapted what it originally wrote that incorporated those rules. Like if you think about that, that's that's extremely impressive. So what well, we do, exactly. Like it's it's capable of reason and logic in some way, but like I don't think we truly understand how that works. Yeah, but no, and I mean I I mentioned this last episode. Um, uh, Brett Weinstein, evolutionary biologist. You know, he was just describing like we understand what's in the brain, but we don't understand how it interacts to like produce consciousness. We don't know what makes that happen. And, um, oh, that seems very possible at the moment. Um, and that one day this thing's just going to be like, oh yeah, here we are. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's what this feels like to me. I'm, I'm, I'm certain that's not what's actually happening, but, uh, if it's if already I'm like this, the timeline for becoming sentient or whatever seems uh, very mm -hmm. a, a lot shorter. Yeah, I I agree, and I feel like the natural evolution for all of our podcast episodes is like we talk about in the beginning, like whatever advancements we see, 
And then we just kind of slowly drift into like what could go wrong from this. And we end up in some like talking about like doomsday here with AI. Um, and I don't mean for it to be like that, but it's just like, it's, it's, it's kind of fun in a way to, to pose like, okay, what can go wrong from this? Um, and just kind of, cause like, I do think like, we're obviously both very pro AI. Like we want, we think it could do a ton of uh, good for humanity, but like at the same time, there's a lot could, that could go wrong. And so I think it's kind of fun to entertain both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. And, you know, until we start seeing more, um, and kind of get more like concrete evidence to, to work around really all we're kind of doing at the moment is speculating and um, sure. it's definitely a little more fun to be a little dark about things and yeah mess around so but uh, I, I i'm still positive i feel good <laughs> yeah me too for sure good is there anything else um that you had or should we just wrap up here no no I, I think i'm good okay cool um thanks everybody for watching and Hopefully next week we'll have a little more of a positive episode. <laughs>